0: is to try to discuss what the heresy is that means they don't know <laughs> uh they don't really understand they know some parts of the heresy they know some of the ideas <clears throat> and some of the ideas that were floating around in the area uh is this idea that early gnosticism a lot of times people will say the colossian the Colossian whatever Colosseum is where they play football. It's Sunday. I don't know what's going on. So the, the people in Colossae, they, uh, they, they, had, they were an early form of Gnosticism. Okay, Gnostics didn't exist until the 4th century. And we're writing this book in the 1st century. So it's not Gnostic. But it's the early groundwork of Gnosticism. So here's Gnosticism. The idea is there is a holy and supreme God. But he's so holy, he's spirit. And everything that is matter, you, me, the earth, the trees, the rocks, the birds, bees, all that stuff, is evil. And someone who's holy would never create something that was evil. So from this being, there are other elemental spirits we're going to talk about those in a moment Uh, those elemental spirits they disseminate from this one spirit and when they get far enough away from his holiness in other words one makes another makes another makes another we get somewhere down the line we get something that's that's messed up enough that can create matter and that's how the earth comes into being and so that is the the common philosophy of the day the things that people were discussing and that they were talking about. The idea that that all of this had to be known by secret knowledge because you couldn't know God. We've talked about this, right? God. The only way we know God is because God revealed himself to us. But what they would say is, well, that God's so holy, he can't reveal himself to us. So you have to be associated with secret knowledge. And if you have this secret knowledge and you can become part of the secret club, then you can then you will understand what other people don't get. And we still do that stuff today, right? I mean, you put it in a different box and don't call it Gnosticism, but we still do that stuff. We still have these ideas. So against this this concept, this philosophy that said um, God didn't create the world, Paul's already talked to us and said that the universe was brought into being By, through, and for Jesus Christ. He's already laid that out for us. Against the idea that you have to have some kind of higher wisdom or secret knowledge. He said all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge is where? In Christ, right? So he's laying out this idea. He's our creator. He is the source of all understanding. And against the idea that there's an infinite source of elemental spirits that we have to appease in order to to commune with the, the, ultimate, uh, the ultimate God, he's, he's going to tell us today that all the fullness of God dwells in Jesus Christ in bodily form. He's going he's to lay this out so that, hey, there's, no, there's not all these other things that are going on. He wants the people of Colossae to understand That we are complete in Christ. So when we talk about the ideas around Calvary Chapel Buell, that we're broken, it's the idea that that we are in some way incomplete. We fall short, right? The Bible says that that all fall short of the glory of God. We, We are sinners. We have struggles and issues. But the real question that Paul's driving to the church of Colossae, to the Church of Laodicea, to, to the church here at Calvary Chapel Buell is is who do you identify with? You identify with with some alternate type of philosophy, alternate kind of ideas? How do you identify yourself? Because this is probably the most important question you're ever going to face. Who are you? You get to decide that. And here's where our current craziness is correct. You get to decide who you are. You do. You get to decide. And what Paul is calling you and I and the rest of the world to. Is to find your identity in Christ. Christ. How do you identify? It's interesting because, you know, people will identify you a lot of ways, right? Okay. I've been identified a lot of different ways in the 10 years I have been in Idaho. (laughs) Most of it because, you know, I do goofy things with my hair and my face. I grow a beard. I'm the the guy with the beard. Uh, I grow long hair. I'm the moron with the ponytail I ride a motorcycle. I'm the guy who rides, right? These are all ways people identify me. But that doesn't matter. What matters is how do you identify yourself? I love to ride a motorcycle and I even wear a leather vest, but I'm not a biker. I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. That's who I am. I like to ride bikes. But if God wants my bike, in 2009, I said these words in church. If God wants my bike, He can have it. The next day, He took it. So here's hoping. <clears throat> here's hoping that there's not a truck in my future tomorrow as I'm riding around. But I, I, there's nothing that makes me who I am, whether it's my hairstyle or the what clothes I wear or the things I do there's nothing in any of that that I want to be the identifying marks of me I want the identifying marks of me to be that I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ and I struggle in my brokenness and I struggle being incomplete but Paul is telling me in scripture today that I am complete in Christ that that's where I find my wholeness that's where I find my wellness. He wants whatever's going on in Colossae, whatever things they're arguing about, and let's face it, we could go any number of places this morning and find people arguing about, about some aspects, and, and some of those things are healthy to work our way through and to understand. But the bottom line, most important thing is, do you identify yourself as a grateful believer in Jesus Christ? It's why I will always love Celebrate Recovery. I don't care who wants to say what about what. It doesn't matter to me. Why I love them is because for years, when I was introduced, Howard would stand up and say, I'm not an addict. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. And I struggle with whatever. That's how we are supposed to be identified. Identified. You can say, I identify as a farmer, and I will say, I'm sorry. (laughs) Not because you're a farmer, but because you don't primarily identify as a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who farms, or a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who does whatever. What is your identity? Because anything that is not identified in Christ is going to fall short. Where is your identity? That's what he's talking about today. That's what he wants us to (coughs) focus in on. Look at verse 8. See to it, no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. So here's what happens if I'm not identifying in Christ. Okay, i don 't see the importance of my identity being as a believer in Jesus Christ. you know, I just do what I do, I am who I am then here 's the danger I can be controlled by the wrong thing again, the beauty of of our brothers and sisters who who know to themselves to be people who struggle in things, whether it 's from CR or whatever, when we know who we are, then we know I've been controlled by other things. Right? I've been controlled by my rage. I've been controlled by my anger. I've been controlled by my bitterness toward other people. No? You guys never experienced those things? It's just real life. But if I don't identify in Christ, I can be controlled by all those other things. Because now I'm I'm not setting my anchor in Him. I need to set my anchor in Christ so that I'm not taken captive by... Ph- now, the church for... How old am I? 55 years has had this weird uh, thing where we freak out over philosophy. Okay, just stop. What the Bible's talking us about here is not... The idea of philosophy and philosophers. It's saying don't be taken captive by the love of wisdom. Phileosophia. Sometimes when we translate it's just easier to just speak it into English. So we say philosophy. Now it can be that there are philosophies that are opposed to Christ. Right? But there are also philosophies that are not opposed to Christ. The philosophy in and of itself is not evil. To want to know and understand things. To grow in wisdom and understanding. But what he's saying is don't be taken captive. Don't be captured by bad ideas of empty thoughts. And there's a lot of things like that. It's not not the psychiatrist in office you need to be afraid of. It's not the person who's seeking counselor's advice that you need. Oh, don't do that. Why? What, What is our... Big fear about the idea that someone might have some ideas that could be helpful. Why are we afraid of that? We shouldn't be afraid of that. What we should be afraid of is being taken captive by the junk that takes you captive. But if I think it's a <clears throat> psychiatrist, then I won't consider my anger being a problem and a bad philosophy. If I, if I think it's somebody else, I won't think it's my rage. It's my, it's my jealousy. It's my envy. It's my... Whatever. All the things, that the ideas that are going in our mind that we start to listen to. We all have that voice that starts playing, right? In our head. He's saying, look, don't, don't be captive. Don't be captive by a philosophy or empty deceit. Lies, lies, lies. How many times do I listen to the lie in my head? I'm not talking about lies other people tell you. I'm talking about lies you tell yourself. I sit down, sometimes I'll I'll go, we'll have a day, like today. So church will end, and through church, and getting ready for church and post-church, we're going to have a lot of time where we're going to talk with people and give people hugs and say hey and visit with people. And then I'm going to go home and I'm going to replay all those. And I'm going to go, I wonder why so-and-so did this. I wonder why such-and-such said that. You don't do that? I'm the only one, does that? And then how many times do I listen to the lies? Now all that it only exists in my head. Because the other person, he may be doing that at home too, or she or they may be doing that at home too. But all that stuff we're telling ourselves is going on is all bunk, it's empty. Don't be taken captive by a philosophy that wants to lead you astray and the one you need to be most concerned with is the one that lives in your head the one that is happening or can be happening with us. We don't want to be conquered by that. We don't want to be taken, uh, led astray by that. And then he's going to give us other things to consider. Okay, we want to understand this idea of being ke- taken captive by ideas, philosophy, right? Ideas that are empty, and these things that exist in my head. <clears throat> the first one he points to then is is according to human tradition. According to human tradition, now. There's a lot of things that they would teach one another. I don't want to be controlled by the wrong thing. I don't want to be convinced by wrong ideas. I don't want to follow empty deceit. I don't want to follow other people's crazy notions that we pass down from one to another to another to another. The Jews, that's how, how, how they existed. The pagans, that's how they existed. They just keep, we keep passing down the same old lies, retreads. Solomon, when he looked at the world, he said, you know, there's really nothing new under the sun. It's all pretty much the same as it's always been. Different names. But the ideas are all the same. And we pass them along. Human tradition. Jesus talked about that idea. Matthew 15. The Pharisees came to him and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands when they eat. Now, it wasn't that they didn't wash their hands. They didn't wash their hands right. How many of you guys know that people can pass down crazy traditions about the way you have to do something? No? No? This is how you. This don't you know? This is how you're supposed to do it. This is how you're supposed to sing a song, or this is how you're supposed to worship, or this is how you're supposed to dress, or this is how you're whatever the thing. We have all of these ideas. They did too. Hey, you guys didn't wash your hands right. So he said to them, "Why do you break the commandments of God for the sake of your tradition?" This is what Jesus says to them. Why, why do you break what God says? Because of your tradition. God said honor your father and mother. He didn't say to stop. He said honor your father and mother. Whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. Whoever hates his mom and dad. But you say if anyone tells his father or mother. Look what I should use to take care of you. I decided to give to God. Then he doesn't have to honor his father you said, why, why do you think your tradition supersedes what God says? How many of our traditions get in the way? How many of our traditions that get in the way of what God is saying? The Lord said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart. But saying it is the easy part. Being it is totally different. Say the words, that's, that's easy. But be it, in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Man, it's not about, we don't want to be captured by wrong ideas about our traditions. And if you think we don't have any, Lord have mercy. We have traditions. You know, because when someone kicks you into tradition, it bugs you. It's like, oh, whoa! whoa, whoa, why would they do that? How come he did it that way? How come they said those things? So we don't want to be captured. We don't want to be concerned about the wrong things. Human tradition is not the thing to be concerned about. It's just tradition. Don't be concerned, focused on the wrong things. He's going to give us two things. According to human tradition and according to the elemental spirits of the world. That's a literal translation, by the way. Now, there's a couple ways we can take this phrase when we talk about the the elemental spirits of the world. It says, according to the elemental spirits of the world. At least that's the ESV translation. In Greek, it's kata, tostokea, toi, kosmo. It is... The elemental building blocks, ideas, principles, according to the world. According to the way the world is. Hard to translate. So commonly it's used as a metaphor for the ABCs. That's why a lot of our Bibles will say the elemental principles of the world. The the way the world does things as opposed to the way... That God would do things. And this very likely can be uh, what they're talking about. But there was another thing. Remember I told you about all those spirits emanating from spirits coming down the line? So one of the common teachings of the stoikia. The elemental spirits were earth, wind, fire. You guys heard these before, right? And Water. Yeah, earth, wind, fire, and water. They were given names. Demeter, Poseidon, Hera, and I can't say it right. Hephaestus. We'll go with that. Now, these were spirits that were worshipped and spirits that needed to be communed with so that people would be able to really understand secret wisdom. That was just something that they did. So when we look at this section, he says, according to the elemental principles of the world, we can be as simple as saying, well, that just means we don't want to do things according to the world. But the way the world was doing it was they were worshiping elemental spirits. You with me? So it's not just the simple idea of I don't want to do anything the way the world does it. Really? You got shoes on? The rest of the world's wearing shoes. What about pants? I'm not going to wear any pants anymore. That's the elemental principles of the world. No, let's, let's step away from that, right? There's a lot of things we do like the world. I hear this all the time. Oh, the church should not be anything like the world. Like, get rid of them drums and the guitar and the, and the piano. Get rid of all that stuff because those are the elemental principles of the world. Well, get rid of your car and your radio. Take that TV out of your house. For the love of God, turn off Netflix. Oh, wait a minute. We don't like it when a list comes back around, do we? The elemental, according to the elemental spirits. Look, we don't want, it's a spiritual thing. It's not just a thing, yeah? Otherwise, you're just making arbitrary lists. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll get email. Jackie, do you know that the Bible says that it is a shame for a man to have long hair? God loves preachers, I'm going to tell you right now. So so then lovingly respond, yes, I know that the scripture says that. But I have a question. How long is long? Oh, that, that sneaky Jackie just trying to sneak his way out. I'm just telling you, that section of scripture doesn't tell you what is long. Is it you who decides? Is it me? Is it God? Did he say 8 inches, 12 inches, 16 inches, 4 inches, 2 inches? Hey, according to Don, all you guys are long hairs here. (laughs) Everybody. (laughs) Yeah, so go, (laughs) got to cut the rest of that off. (laughs) See, we we can come up with all these ways, right, to make all these rules and all these traditions and all these, are you being captured by that? Because you're complete in who? Christ. You're not complete by your tradition. And we don't want to be captured by the elemental spirits of this world, right? Listen to what Paul said to the church of Galatia. Who we're struggling with some of the same things. He says, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elemental, uh, elementary principles of the world. We were children. So he's saying before we were saved. He's not talking about when we were three. He's saying, look, before, before we got saved, when we were children, before we knew what was going on, before you knew, you were enslaved to the element, elementary principles of the world. The same way the world did it, we did it. The focus on the, the same spirit that the world had. In verse 9 of Galatians 4, he says, But now you've come to know God. See? Now you've come to know God, or rather be known by God. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary uh, uh, elementary principles of the world? How can you turn back? How can you go back to that spirit? How can you go back to that philosophy, to that understanding? Once you find you're complete in Christ, you go backwards. Yeah, How do you go back to those false ideas don't be captured by those things where is your identity where is our identity focus are we controlled by the wrong thing are we convinced by bad ideas or we concerned about the wrong things our traditions or the elemental principles of the world finally he says or or are we identifying in christ look verse 9 colossians 2 9 he says for in him The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Okay, I'm just going to tell you, people ask me all the time, Jackie, how how come you use Bible A instead of Bible B? And sometimes people get frustrated. My Bible says it a little different than your Bible. This is what I tell people that take the time to come to my classes or studies or things. I say, you should have five different translations. Because the word of God is a translation. By definition, requires interpretation. All translation requires interpretation. And not all interpretation is equal. Language is finite. We we do our best to say what we want to say. You get what I'm saying? But sometimes if we can look at the way five people translate it, it goes, ooh, wow, that... I grab it now. I can put my fingers in it. They connected with how I understand. Nothing was changed. Greek says what the Greek says. But it's in Greek. So we want to bring those ideas into English. When we look at Colossians 2.9 in the ESV. And how it is on the, on the wall. There's not a better way to say that. For in him. Christ. The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. He is all God. Yeah? There's no way to mess that up. In Christ, the fullness, everything, whatever it is to be God, is in him bodily. We have these doctrines in the church, which then we try to define what that means. And we say, well, that means he is fully God and fully man. Now, it seems easy until you try to reconcile those ideas. But it's not my problem to reconcile. I'm just telling you what God said. He's the one who can reveal who he is, right? None of us ever seen Yahweh before. We talked about that. So Yahweh tells us who he is. And he says... Everything I am is in Christ. Everything I am. The final revelation of God to the world is in his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only. Monogenes. I don't like the word only begotten. Monogenes, One and only son. He gave his one and only son. As the final revelation of Yahweh to mankind here it is, here is who I am, in him dwells the whole fullness of deity, for all of who God is, is in him, who is Christ, what does it mean to be complete in Christ, man, that we have everything that God has for us, is in Christ Jesus, and then in verse 10, it tells us this authority that he has, and you have been filled in him. You are complete in Him. That's what He's saying. Whatever is empty in you, whatever is lacking in you, whatever is missing in you is filled with Him. He fills it all up. Whatever is incomplete, whatever, whatever dots are not connected, and I try to connect dots a lot of different ways, and I know a lot of people who have. Sometimes we try to connect the dots, the incompleteness in our life with alcohol and drugs. Sometimes we try to connect the dots of the incompleteness in our life with, with uh, sexual immorality. We, 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 we try to connect the dots of what's missing in our life by how we define who we are, who we're gonna love. And none of it works. Because no matter what podium you stand behind and proclaim whatever your truth is. You're still incomplete. It's still missing. The gaps are still there. We just all make an agreement that we're going to pretend they're not. But it's not true. The world is selling a lie to everybody right now. They're they're selling, and we're buying it hook, line, and sinker because we just like to be taken captive by crazy ideas. So if I can define my own gender or my own person whom I love, it'll make me complete. And and then you can stand up on a TV show and declare, I am now finally complete because I'm finally telling the world who I really am. No, listen, what you're really telling the world is that you are incomplete. And when you find Christ and you find your identity in Him, you will be complete. I am complete in Him. And in that place, I can struggle with who I want to love and I can struggle with who I want to be. As long as my identity is in Christ, that's okay. Because that's what it is to be an incomplete being made complete by an infinite being. We struggle, but He's the answer. Not whatever I think, not the ideas I think this is going to make me happy, that is going to make me happy, that is going to make me happy. Make me happy. Look, guys, I sat in a living room at the foot of an uncle that I loved, who gave me my first guitar. He was the closest of all my uncles to my age. Now, that's not very close. I I don't know how old I was. Let's say I was 10, and he was, you know, 40. But all my other uncles were like 90, or at least that's how it seemed. So Uncle Bruce, he was the closest one to us, and, and he could... Man, he could sing and he could play. And it was incredible. And I loved music, so I had a great time hanging out with him and doing all those things with him. And I sat there and watched him die. Aids shriveled him up. They told the lie. Hey, this is going to make you complete. But listen, what does the devil do? What does the lies of the world, what are the elemental principles, the elemental spirits of the world, what do they want to do? You think they want to make you happy? You are outside your mind. They want to kill you. So the thing you try to make yourself complete with, the drugs you take, the alcohol you drink, they're going to kill you. The love you take, I don't care where it is or who it's from. It's going to kill you. All the lies you buy, oh, it doesn't really matter. None of these things really matter. Who cares? This is all just stupid tradition. No, this is all the truth of God's word absolute, whole, bona fide truth. That's why the world hates it. It's all going to kill you. I sat there and watched him shrivel up like a 150-year-old man. I was probably 10. I could have picked him up myself. That's what trying to connect the dots himself did. Do you know what Jesus did for him? Jesus made him whole. He sit there and tell me, look, I had a dream last night. I struggle with whether or not God could forgive me for all the things i had done. And so I pray, God, I don't know if you can forgive me, but I just really like to know. He said, last night I had a dream. I was in a rocking chair and God was holding me. He says, I know he forgives me. I know he forgives you, too, because that's what the Bible says. You can't out sin the grace of God. But you can believe the lies of the world that tells you here's how you connect the dots. This is what will make you whole. No, it's not. Having your identity in Jesus Christ is what's going to make you whole. My uncle died of AIDS. I got HIV. HIV. Everybody said I was going to die of AIDS. I'm still here. He's not. Same God is working in both. Same God forgave both. You try to connect the dots your way, you're going to die. And if you die without Christ, what have you gained? And we, we need to have our identity in Him. You are made complete in Him. Colossians 2.10 Who is the head of all rule and authority. All principalities and power. Everything. Every rule that could be a rule. Every authority that could be authority. He's over it all. He trumps it all. He even trumps Trump. <laughs> he trumps everything. He is the final authority. Why submit to any other? Bow the knee to Him. Be made complete in Christ. Listen to what it says. For in Him, this is still all in Christ. How are we complete in Him? How is my identity in Him? In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. He's talking about spiritual circumcision. Physical circumcision was this act where, whereby the this foreskin is cut away. And it actually was more healthy for both the male, the man, and his wife. And so whether or not that's why God chose to do it doesn't make any difference to me. I don't need to justify what he did. I'm just telling you there is a, an actual real value... To circumcision. But that wasn't the point of biblical circumcision. The point of biblical circumcision is this. You need to cut away the dead flesh, the sin in your life, or it's going to kill you. Cut it out. He says you've been circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands. That's spiritual circumcision. That means have have you died to an old life and now you're alive to a new? Have you been born again? Have you been set free? This is what he's discussing. By the putting off of the body of the flesh, our sinful nature, thrown it away by the circumcision of Christ. I am dead to the old man. And I am alive to Christ. He's saying that's what you have. That's how you're made complete in him. Because he he is the one who is able to disarm the old man in your life. To disarm sin. You don't have to continue to run in sin. When you do, you chose it. And at least around here, we believe you're free. If I'm free, then I'm also free to not choose it, right? That's the idea of being free. Free. He has given us, our relationship, our connection with Christ, gives us the power to overcome. To overcome the sin in our life. This is a spiritual circumcision. It's a cleansing, cutting away of the old filth. He's also going to talk about a spiritual baptism. Look at verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him. What's the whole point of baptism? Were you actually buried when you were baptized if you came to Calvary Chapel Buell? No. If you were baptized in our cattle trough, you went under the water. What does that signify? Being buried. You died. And then you're lifted up out of the water. What does that signify? You're risen to new life. The old kind of reminds us of spiritual circumcision. No, the old man is dead, the new man is alive. He's brought forth. He says, you were buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through the faith in the powerful working of God who really raised Christ from the dead. So you're signifying that I'm dead to the old life and the resurrection power of Jesus Christ makes me alive again to the new to be a new man. In Romans 6 verse 3 it says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried with Him by baptism in death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we might also walk, how? In newness of life. I can be new. I can be made New. This is the beauty that Scripture is declaring. Here's how Paul wrote it in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, it's no more about me. I died. I died that day. But it's Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. Faith in God's Son that He is able to deliver, who loved me and gave Himself for me. Man, this connection with Jesus Christ makes me a new creation. Right? That's what it means to be born again. I'm not the old me anymore. I'm better. I'm not incomplete anymore. Now I am made complete. I find I am made complete in Him. I have all that I need to have in Him. So not only do we see a spiritual circumcision and a spiritual baptism, all signifying newness of life and the power to be more than what we are, to connect the dots that we try to connect a lot of other ways, but we also have a spiritual resurrection. Here's what it says. Having been buried with Him, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him, Through faith in the powerful working of God. Who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead. And your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him. How? Having forgiven us all our trespasses. We were dead. He makes me alive. I am broken. He makes me whole. I am incomplete. He makes me complete. This is what he's laying out for us. So we can lay hold of all these things that are are given to us. We can lay hold of what's happening. You were dead. You were dead. I'm dead in my sin. I'm a broken mess. But God is able to make me alive. God is able to accomplish his perfect purpose, even in the crazy distractions that happen at church. <laughs> when the sound system don't work right, or things are crawling around behind the stage or under the stage. Hopefully whatever it is it doesn't have big teeth. If it does and it comes running in behind me, you'll warn me, right? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm just scouting on you guys. Okay, so... We were dead in our trespasses and sin, but God has made us alive by forgiving us our trespasses. This is the perfect work that Christ has done. <clears throat> and it requires our reception. We... Receive, we take, we receive what God gives. He's provided, this is, there's a study, um, I'm actually in the middle of about a 4 million page, that's an exaggeration, hyperbole for you English folks, that uh, uh, book on the atonement, on what, what is accomplished in the atonement. And basically, the, I believe the atonement is universal. Meaning the the atonement of Jesus Christ is for all. It is universal. But I don't believe in universal salvation. I believe that he died for the whole world. And now the world must receive, accept, what he's done. Lay hold of, appropriate, cast a check. I don't know, whatever acronyms you, you want to use. So God's made us alive together. He's going to tell us how he's done it when we get to verse 15. <clears throat> he's forgiven us all our trespasses. How many is all? Okay. So no matter what you do, you got to, we got to wrestle with all these things, right? He's forgiven. He's made us alive. We were once dead. How did he do it? Verse 14, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He canceled the debt. We're lawbreakers. You ever broke a law, of God? How many times you got to lie before you're a liar? <laughs> Jesus came to define the law more completely, didn't he? He said, if you look at a, at a woman with lust in your heart, you're guilty. He said, if you hate your uh, brother, you're guilty of murder. Hey, these are all things that we've all thought about doing in our hearts. When we sit around and listen to the lies that float around in our head. These are all things that can come and distract us. But look, he's saying, I want you to know that this has been canceled. It's canceled. With its legal demands. How is that all canceled? The law is good. How how can the law be canceled? Should we all go out and steal now? Well, not if you're in Christ. So we all go murder now? Not if you're in Christ. Well then, how is it complete? Because He did it. And I'm in Him. He kept it. So I keep it by being where? In Him. And if I'm in Him, I can't just shirk all the, the things and say, Well, I, now I can freely commit all the sin in the world. No, I can't because I'm... In Him. Do you understand? If you can, one of the two things isn't true. Don't deceive yourself. In Him. If I'm in Him, I will never be satisfied in a life of sin. I just won't. If you can be, you're not in Him. You're not in Christ. Do not lie to yourself. It's not magic words. You say magic words and now something happens. You actually appropriate what Christ has given. You take what Christ has given. You apply it. You put the blood of Christ on you. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from how much? All unrighteousness. All now I want to stand with Him. I want to be identified in Him. I cannot go, you know, it's just a little thing. No, I can't. I can't do it because I'm saying, I'm in Christ. I want to identify in Him. I want to stand with Him. I want to look like Him. Talk like Him. Woo-hoo-hoo. I want to be like you. None of you guys were thinking that? Man. There's at least two or three of us weird people here. So, sorry. But I want to, you get what I'm saying, right? I want to I I be like him. I'm, I'm receiving, I'm accepting what he said. How is it that he's accomplished this? How did he cancel the debt? How did he fulfill the legal demands? Says this, this he set aside, our, our failure. He set aside. How did he set aside? It's as though the creditor came to him and wrote, Failure! And he pinned it on my forehead. And Jesus took it and nailed it to the cross. What he, he did not say, no, Jackie, you're, you're not a failure. You're not broken. You're not incomplete. That's not what he said. He said, give me that. And he nailed it to the cross. And he said, now you come to me and I'll make you whole. You come to me, and I'll make you complete. You come to me, and I'll give you a new life. But you come to me. It's nailed, it's taken away. Jesus Christ became, he who knew no sin became your sin sacrifice, so that you could become the righteousness of God. That's what he became for you and I. He paid the debt. He made satiation. He satisfied the requirement. The only way I can satisfy God's requirement is if I am in Christ. It's the only way. You can't be good enough. You can't be right enough. (laughs) You should know that by now. Most of us are old enough to go, Yeah, nope, I can't do it. I mess it up. I'll mess it up. I can't do it. It says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. The rulers and authorities are the creditors who were shouting out, This is all wrecked. This creation is wrecked. All these people are wrecked. They're all ruined and worthless. Just let them all rot. And Jesus put them to open shame when He took all of that and nailed it to the cross. And He said, No. Atonement has been made. Atonement. I make a way where there is no way. I make a way so that broken, incomplete people can find wholeness in Christ. But it's the only place. It's the only place. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. It's, it's a parade. The triumph was a parade. When <clears throat> you and I won't think of it as a parade, so I want you to really see what it is. The triumph was a picture of the Roman conqueror with his foot on the neck of his enemy nobody who looked at that picture with his foot up on the neck of that guy said oh yeah no, that guy underneath he's doing good you knew who the winner was because he was triumphed over if they held the parade the people conquered were in chains naked worthless empty and the reality is that's who we all were conquered by sin And the enemy of this world conquered by all those things. And Jesus Christ came and he took our debt. And he died for it. He nailed it to the cross. And he put his foot on the devil's neck and he said, you're beat. Now, whosoever will come. Jesus stood before the peoples. I I, I have this verse out there on the wall. There's a reason. And he said, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's only one place. Salvation is only in one name. There's only one name by which men must be saved. How do you identify? I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. And I'm not perfect. Any of you who know me, have already figured that out. And that's not an excuse to continue in imperfection. It's just a statement of fact. I'm imperfect. But I spend every day, waking moment, morning when I pray, all the stuff that I do for the purpose of saying... I want to be who you want me to be today. And when the day goes good, I praise him. And when it don't, he gives me a new day. And I continue the journey. This is what it is to walk with Christ. The Bible lays out for us in. In Ephesians chapter one. We talked about this last week. <clears> or <throat> last time, yeah, I think it was last week. In Ephesians chapter one, part of the bracha. The bracha is the Paul's has this way of writing, you know, 400 word sentences. And uh this is one of them. And this is what he says in, in Ephesians chapter one, verse thirteen in him, in Christ. What is it what is it to be identifying in Christ? In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you entrusted yourself to him. When you heard and you entrusted yourself to him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee that God will keep his word. He gives you the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance. What we receive. What is that? He's a guarantee of our salvation. That we can hold fast to our salvation until we acquire absolute possession of it. To the praise of His glory. It's all Him. It's all Him. He has ultimately done it all. When we hear and we believe... Look, probably all of us know an example, but this yesterday we put a dear sister to rest. Shirley went home to be with the Lord last Sunday. She listened to my message, <clears throat> and then she closed her eyes in this world, and she opened her eyes in front of Jesus. And uh, she is such a testimony of a transformed life. We all knew her, surely smiling, happy, always had a hug, kind word. But you, you didn't know her before Jesus. She was broken and incomplete. And she tried to connect the dots of her life with alcohol so bad to the point that her liver was absolutely going to quit and she was going to die. Dr. Who, who did treatment on her liver, said, you don't even have three months. But God, he loves Shirley. Even when she was an enemy of his. And he gave her time. And she gets saved. And, I don't know the numbers, lives like another 24 years. That's the 24 years, that's the Shirley you knew. If you knew her, that's a surely you knew. You didn't know the other one. You couldn't even tell. Because when God works in somebody's life, it's like getting hit by a truck. You don't go, oh, you got hit by a truck? I didn't notice. No, you go, dang, you got hit by a truck. <laughs> yeah. Her life was transformed. Several... Oh, I think several months ago. She, she came to church and she said, "I doctors told me I have pancreatic cancer. Oh, no, surely I'm sorry. She said, I'm okay. I know where I'm going. So, she lived the rest of her life and took whatever treatments they could offer. But, you know, there's nothing for pancreatic cancer, right? So, And so... Every time I saw her, every time I visited her, every time I looked at her face, she smiled. She was happy to see me. She was filled with joy. That's a transformed life. And the Holy Spirit then empowered her to live her life to the very last day that way. Because what God promises, he delivers. And last Sunday, when I said amen to the prayer, she... Went to Jesus. And she stood before him and heard well done. Good and faithful servant. Those kind of services are a joy. And those kind of people though we will miss her. Man. I don't sorrow as those who have no hope. Because I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded. He's able to keep me. Because I am complete in Christ. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come before you, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to look and trust in you, to put our hope in you. Lord, we pray, God, that you would accomplish a perfect work. Lord, we pray as we come to you uh, this morning, Lord Jesus God, that by your spirit you would work in the hearts and lives of men and women here, God. And if there is anybody here who is not complete in you, does not know you, may they hear your words as you call, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Come unto me, all you broken, messed up masses. Come unto me, all you who have a problem. Come to me, because you're not going to be complete any other way. God, I pray your spirit would move. And as we close and as we worship, Lord, we know that there will be people available up front who will be here to be able to pray with anybody who's looking bow the knee before the king to say I want to I entrust my heart life soul I want to identify in Christ Lord I pray that everybody here whose identity is in you throw away the yoke of condemnation and pick up the yoke of Jesus Christ and follow him walk with him God's not up in heaven shaking his fist at you. The blood of Jesus Christ has covered you. But Jesus is saying, walk with me. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy, well-fitting. It'll fit. And my burden is light. Walk with me. Because God, you have made atonement. You have made propitiation. When I fail, you cover it. So I don't have to worry about, well, what if I fail? I don't have to worry about it. I just know, God, you've covered it. So I keep walking. I take my head and I willingly dip my neck and am clothed in your yoke. And I want to walk with you. I want to I go where you go. I want to be who you are. I want to love what you love and hate what you hate. Because that's what your word says. I want to live my life for the one who was beat for me. I want to live my life for the one who allowed man to do what he did to, the, to our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So that Jesus can show me, look, all man can do is take your life, but God can raise it. Nobody dies in Christ. God, I pray that we we would make the decision, be set free and walk with Jesus and, and shirk off all the crazy excuses that we'll make. and Just be real with Jesus. He's not ashamed of you. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, brothers and sisters, walk in the Spirit. Walk with Him. Be made new. So when people look at our life after Christ, they say, man, I would never believe all the things. Just like we said about Shirley. For the work you do, God, is perfect and complete. So we look to you and we pray that you would bless our time, bless this this close of this service. May your spirit move and call. And as we have people available for prayer, I just pray, whatever your need is, come. Let Jesus meet it. That's what he does. And we, God, will give you all the praise and the glory for it.
1: souls to another. Oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, who seeks your face. Oh God of Jacob, oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, who seeks your face. Oh God of Jacob. God, we just thank you this morning, Lord, for your word and for your presence, God. And we just, uh, we just pray right now, Lord, just for a, a heart to be surrendered to you, God, to not seek after other things, to fill the, fill the holes and fill the gaps, God. But let our, uh, let us be complete in you, Lord. Let our joy be complete in you, Lord. Let our strength be complete with your strength, Lord. And God, we just pray that as we walk through this life, Lord, that you would just, uh, continue to draw us near to you, Lord. Continue to give us understanding, God. Help us to step out in faith, Lord, trusting that you're with us along the way, God. Give us-